The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com slash events where you can get your tickets. Hello and you're very welcome to yet another additional politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. We're really packing them in this week. I'm joined again by Pat Leahy, our political editor. Because Pat, our Ipsos MRBI poll, uh, yesterday we had some interesting numbers. Uh, Today we've got some that are even more interesting, I think, particularly because the Irish Times, for the first time that I can remember anyway, is polling north of the border as well as south. Hello again, Hugh. Yes, we are. So what we've done is we've essentially done parallel polls. Yesterday, we talked about party support, leadership satisfaction and so forth. Very obviously, very domestically focused part of the poll. There's another part to that uh, poll as well, taken in in the political entity, which we shall refer to as the South for the rest of this uh, for the rest of this podcast. Not strictly constitutionally correct. Not strictly constitutionally yeah. or even geographically correct, mm-hmm. but uh, we all know what we mean by it. So um, in the South, we also asked a series of uh, questions about uh, uh, the government's management of Brexit, the um, voters' preferences on various aspects of Brexit, and on the constitutional uh, question, which is increasingly touted around as a political issue at present. But we also conducted a separate poll in parallel with the poll in the South. So we conducted uh, on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week a poll in the North where we asked a series of questions, most of them focused on um, on people's preferences about Brexit, their attitudes to the management of Brexit and also their attitudes to the constitutional question should that, uh, should that be put and indeed whether it should be put at all. So a good time to do that, given that at this moment in time, uh, there is a large transnational crisis surrounding the exit of the United Kingdom from the European Union. And that crisis centres on the uh, small statelet of Northern Ireland, population one and a half million. And crucial political players in that drama are the only, or at least, I think, 10 elevenths of the uh, of of the only uh, representatives sitting in Westminster, with the exception of Sylvia Herman, it's a cohort of DUP MPs. So very interesting, first of all, to find out how well those MPs represent the views of the people of Northern Ireland. Well, as they say in all the best interviews, Hugh, I'm glad you asked me that question because we specifically designed the poll to ask that question. So we asked voters in the North uh, if they thought that the DUP was doing a good job are a bad job of representing Northern Ireland at Westminster. And the overwhelming uh, majority of responses, 67% said they were doing a bad job, just 20% said they were doing a good job. And I think that's interesting on a number of levels. It's also borne out great dissatisfaction uh, with the uh, management or with the performance of the British government uh, in running the UK. 77% of people dissatisfied, Twelve percent, uh, only 12% satisfied. Arlene Foster, 69% of people dissatisfied, 16% uh, satisfied. So that management of Brexit, which is, as we speak, bringing us towards you know, perhaps a failure to reach a deal next week and, and a hard Brexit by uh, by the end of this month. 
with Northern Ireland as the sticking point or the arrangements, the backstop for Northern Ireland as the sticking point in that, the great majority of voters in the North do not approve of the way that the DUP and the British government are managing that. That, I think, you know, will have political implications uh, in, in the North. But one of the really interesting things about these numbers is when you dig into the breakdown of the responses, and we've asked people if they come from a Catholic uh, background, a Protestant background, another background, or whether they regard themselves as having no background uh, at all. But obviously, uh, the, the, the greater portion of that is people from either a Catholic or, um, uh, or a Protestant uh, background. And whilst the numbers are, uh, are, are somewhat different between uh, people from a Catholic background and, and, uh, and a Protestant background, they are more similar than they are different. So on that question of, uh, you know, satisfaction with, uh, with the UK government, not surprising perhaps that 85% of people from a Catholic background are dissatisfied, but 72% of people from a Protestant background are dissatisfied. That question about the DUP. Do you believe the DUP are doing a good job or a bad job representing Northern Ireland at Westminster? 83% of Catholic uh, people from a Catholic background uh, say they're doing a bad job. Perhaps not that, not that surprising. But a majority of people from a Protestant background already also believe that. 52% of them saying that they're doing a bad job. So, uh, so, so there is, I think, this. What, 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 one of the things that is remarkable about this is not just you know the divisions uh, on on Brexit, but actually the sense amongst both communities individually, as well as the broader Northern Ireland com- community as a whole, is that they are not happy with the way Brexit is being managed by their political masters. And, and that compares, I think it's worth noting, it, it compares interestingly with the most recent electoral contests which have occurred in Northern Ireland. There were elections there uh, two years ago in 2017. There was both a, obviously a British general election and there was an assembly election. And I think uh, in the assembly election, the DUP had by its lights a, a very bad result. It had only 29% of the vote. It got 36% in the general election. It bounced back somewhat. It's a different type of an election. But that 20%, which you've described, the proportion of the population supporting its current policy is well below that. They must look at that with with some alarm when they see it. And I think this is perhaps the strongest political message coming out of this poll for uh, for the DUP. It is that you are very far away from where, not just from where the community in Northern Ireland as a whole wants you to be, but your own voters. They are are well away from, uh, from... from where they are, and um, and and I, I I think that were you a DUP MP sitting in Westminster, and you are allied to the Tory Brexiteer wing uh, or the ERG Brexiteer wing of the uh, of the Tory Party, I think these numbers would give you pause for uh, for thought. Can we dig then a little bit deeper into what the views of the people of, of Northern Ireland in particular are on these questions of the future of the United Kingdom and its relationship with the European Union, a customs union, a single market, uh, the softest of soft Brexit or a hard Brexit, a hard border, 
because all these things are interrelated and indeed the question of some form of extra controls on the Irish Sea. All the things which have been at the heart of political turmoil and debate over the last two years. That's right. And of course, you know, Brexit is 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 complex. There are multi-layered questions in it. There are a couple of different uh couple of different options. So we tried to break those down and to give people, uh, you know, options that were as, as stark and as simple as possible. The message that comes across from that, I think, is that people of Northern Ireland want the softest of soft Brexit. So asked if they want the UK to stay in the single market and the customs union to ensure no hard border and no checks between Northern Ireland and Great Britain, two-thirds of them, 67% of voters, say that's what they want. Just 17% of people don't want that so- very soft Brexit staying in the customs union and, uh, and, single, and single market. So we asked a couple of other options uh, as well, because, of course, you know, you know, sometimes people may contradict themselves on, uh, uh, on these questions. So we asked... We asked people if they wanted to have special arrangements for Northern Ireland, which is one of the one of the things on uh, on offer to ensure that no that there would be no checks on the border, even if this meant some checks on goods moving between Great Britain and Northern Ireland. And we know this is a sticking point for the DUP. It's the most profound sticking point. Sixty percent of Northern Ireland voters said that that was what they wanted, and just twenty one percent. Uh, of people said they disagreed with that. What, what do you have the community breakdown on that? Because yes. that might be one where you might see more of a more of a divide. Remarkably, amongst people from a Protestant background, there is still a majority for that proposition. So, do you the, the question? So, so it's clear in people's minds: Do you agree or disagree? I want Northern Ireland to have special arrangements to ensure no checks on the border even if this means some checks on goods moving between Great Britain and Northern Ireland. And 51% of people from a Protestant background said they agreed with that proposition, just 29% disagreed. From a Catholic, the majority much stronger, people from a Catholic, uh, a Catholic background, 70% is against 15% who disagreed. Amongst those from another background, 55% against 11% who disagreed. And amongst people from no background or who didn't specify a background, 65% against 14% who disagreed. Um, So, again, taking all these things together, it's very clear, I think, from these numbers that what people in the the North want is a soft Brexit. Because the reality is, as we know, and I think as these figures show again, the Northern Ireland, like Scotland, those were the two constituent parts of the United Kingdom which voted to remain in the European Union and by a relatively substantial margin too. And those numbers are still there. Would Would the majority of people want another referendum or is that more of a moot point to remain in the EU? Interesting question, right? Because, uh, Numbers are much closer on that question of whether there should be another referendum on Brexit. Uh, A plurality of voters, 48%, say there should be against just 44% who say there shouldn't be uh, another referendum. 8% say they don't know. But there is a divergence there amongst the two communities. So 61% of people from a Protestant background say there should not be another referendum. 63% of people from a Catholic background say there should be another referendum. Interestingly, though, when you go on and ask them if there was such a referendum, would you vote to leave or to stay in the EU? 
clear answer. 59% of people would vote to stay in the EU. 30% of people would vote uh, to leave the uh, Which to is leave the EU. similar to or an even stronger vote to remain than actually happened in the referendum itself. That's right. There's, there's vast amounts of other data here, but I just want to look at one thing first before we come to some of the other issues, like Irish unity, for example, which is clearly a, clearly a debating point at the moment. And that's um, a lot of people have made the point that Northern Ireland is represented almost exclusively by the voice of the DUP at the moment. And um, Sinn Féin uh, do not, have never taken their seats at Westminster and will have said that they will never do so. And to be fair, they stood for those seats on that basis and were elected on, the, on that basis too. Um, what do people in Northern Ireland think of that? A large majority of people in Northern Ireland want uh, Sinn Féin MPs to take their seats at Westminster. 60% of people against just 19% of people who say they shouldn't take their seats at Westminster. Interestingly, break that down by community. 58% of people from a Protestant background say Sinn Féin should take their seats. But a bigger majority of people from a Catholic background say that Sinn Féin should take their seats. 64% of people from a Catholic background say that Sinn Féin should take their seats, opposed to just 22% of people from that same background who say that they it's, shouldn't. It's, so this it's, is a star- it's a starting number, but, and I suppose it's kind of counterintuitive on one level, but on another level you could see how people who, for example, reg- regard themselves as staunch Republicans and Sinn Féin voters would say, I support the party position on that. Yes, but in the community from which it draws almost all or virtually all of its support, there's a clear majority position for them taking their seats. I think that's interesting. That certainly is. Now, Sinn Féin, as we know, has been uh, campaigning increasingly loudly um, for a border poll and a poll on Irish unity. What's the view on that in Northern Ireland? It's, it's tight, but it's clear. So 45% of people in the North say there should not be a referendum on unity. 38% of people say that there should be. Um, substantial enough amount of don't knows and neither's 17% between the two, 5% say neither, 12% say uh, they don't know. So a swingable majority either way. But at present, there's a clear lead for those who say that there shouldn't be uh, a referendum. Uh, the breakdown by community, predictable in its absolutes, but interesting in its minorities, if I can, uh, if I can put it that way. So um, 62% of people from a Protestant background say that there should not be a referendum on Irish unity. But 22% of them say that there should. Flip it around the other way, 55% of people from a Catholic background want a referendum on Irish unity, but 30% of them don't. When it comes to how the, the substance then uh, of, uh, of the vote, 32% of people say they would vote yes in such a referendum. 45% of people say they would vote no. Not an absolute majority, but an absolute majority, clear majority amongst those who express a preference. 75% of people from a Protestant background say they would vote no, they would vote against Irish unity, though 9% of them uh, 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 people in that community say they would vote in uh, in favour of it. Numbers tighter again in the Catholic community or the community uh, of those from a Catholic background. 58% of people say they would vote yes for Irish unity, but 18% of people say they would vote against it and 24% of people say they don't know. So by far... 
cer- certainly by a significant majority it is uh it is the 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 preference of those people who express a preference in the catholic community but there's a very substantial uh, minority amongst people from a Catholic background who either say they would vote against it or don't say they would vote for it. So there's quite a lot to chew on there, really, because there's, first of all, there's a there's a comfortable majority for remaining in the union for the moment on the basis of those opinion poll numbers. But interestingly, then, digging down further into that, I mean, we've heard a lot of palaver and, to my mind, a certain amount of nonsense about, you know, demographic changes and how, how they might automatically lead to a, a fundamental reshaping of Northern Ireland. Um, I think... In my opinion, those numbers show why that is nonsense, because there are a substantial number of people in the nationalist community in Northern Ireland who regard themselves as nationalists and are proud Irish nationalists, but are not necessarily bought into the idea of voting to go into a united Ireland in, in the next few years. There's a substantial minority of people from a Catholic, uh, from Catholic background who believe not just that, that if it came to it, they would not vote for it or they would vote uh, against it, but also who don't believe that the referendum should be held now. And I think that the... You know, the old idea which surfaces constantly in some nationalist and Republican discourse that, you know, you need a 50 percent plus one majority and that the uh, the birth rate, the the um, the higher birth rate of amongst Catholics mm-hmm. would eventually deliver that. And there you go. And the tricolor rises above Stormont. And that's that. Thank you very much. That's not going to be happening. That's anytime, not any, anytime soon. That's on it? the basis of these numbers and on lots of other research, let's face it. That's not going to be happening now. Now, Irish unity was a question which was also asked south of the border. Yeah, it was. And predictably enough, uh, perhaps different responses there. Although uh, just 49% of people in the south say that there should be a referendum. Now, that's a, that would be a majority amongst those who expressed uh, a preference, but not, uh, not, not, not quite an absolute uh, majority of those asked. 49% of those say that there should be a unity referendum. If there was a unity referendum, if that vote, uh, if that vote took place, very clear majority for unity, 62%. In relation, just sorry, just to briefly go back to the, the the northern part. My understanding of the constitutional position post post Good Friday Agreement is there is provision that a poll would be held on unity uh, if the Secretary of State of the time uh, has good reason to believe that there is a possibility that such a vote might that such a vote might pass. Those are the terms of the Good Friday uh, Agreement, and of course, so it is a matter that for the Secretary of State of Northern, uh, for Northern Ireland at any given time to um, uh, to to make that uh, judgment on the performance of the present Secretary for State uh, Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. You would uh, have to wonder about her judgment on this and many other matters. Indeed but you would. as a matter uh, as a matter of politics, that's clearly not going to happen in in, in the foreseeable. Future as a matter of demographics and political choice, it's very hard to see on the basis of these numbers how any secretary of state in the foreseeable future could make the judgment that uh, that a border poll would be likely to succeed. It's not there in these numbers. Now, that's not to say that people's preferences couldn't change and indeed change rapidly. You know, that's what happens in times of political turmoil. One of the things that we do see in these numbers is that 9% of unionists would vote for a united Ireland. You know, that's obviously a small minority of unionists, but it's a significant uh, finding 
nonetheless. So, uh, you know, who knows how Brexit will play out and the further changes that will be wrought by it on the politics of Ireland and of the UK and this question of, of, of Scotland hovers in the mid-distance. But certainly on the basis of this number, it's hard to see how a Secretary of State uh, could authorise a border post. There's a bigger question about the current Sinn Féin strategy. I'm not sure if the current Sinn Féin strategy to constantly talk up a border poll is actually about a border poll. I think it's a slightly defensive posture for the party at a time when it is under pressure a little, when its new leader is under pressure a little. We saw that in yesterday's, uh, uh, in, in today's poll numbers. Um, I, I, I think... United Ireland rhetoric is something I don't for a moment believe that Sinn Féin supporters and members don't believe in it. But I think if you look at the party's political performance in the past, the United Ireland rhetoric is a sort of rhetorical and, and, and political comfort blanket that the party reaches for in times of stress. And I think maybe that's what it's doing here. Now, finally, Pat, it's generally held view that um, Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney and their government colleagues have had a good Brexit so far in terms of the way that they've played the game, the way that the, uh, the way the Irish civil service has handled it, the way in which they've kept the EU on board with recognising Irish interests as paramount. But what do people south of the border think of that and what would they like to see happen now? Yes, so I suppose in the context of the numbers that we were looking at earlier today and satisfaction in the government falling and satisfaction in Mr. Radker falling, um, the, 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 the public's judgment on the government's management of Brexit is reasonably positive. 54% of people say they're satisfied. 29% of people say they were, uh, that they're dissatisfied. But the picture becomes much less decisive when you ask people what the government strategy should be just in the not just in the future but over the next couple of weeks at this kind of crucial point in Brexit negotiations so we asked if the government should be prepared to compromise on the backstop in order to avoid the risk of hard border no clear guidance for Mr Radker and Mr Coveney out of this 43% of people say they should compromise. 42% of people say they shouldn't uh, compromise. Compromise covers a multitude, though, to be fair, doesn't it? I mean, compromise could mean fold, uh, a collapse, you know, give in on everything to some people, or compromise could mean just a little gentle fig leaf of some sort, you know? Whatever it means, people are divided. Uh, <laughs> people are divided. <laughs> anyway, Hugh. Um, I mean, do you, think there's a, do you think there's a danger there for... Um, for the government. I mean, obviously, there's always, there's always a danger of some sort if things go horribly wrong. But if, let's say, for the sake of argument, you know, the government um, has to actually sell the idea that it's given way, and you could really imagine that being the case over the next few weeks, that the Irish government, in order to uh, enable Theresa May to get somewhere... Um, with her deal, might need to, and I think we, we hear that this has been a kind of a plea from the British, might need to pipe down on any suggestions of triumphalism or we haven't given anything away or not an inch or anything like that. Is there a danger on the electoral side in, in Ireland in that? I, I think that danger is certainly being considered in government buildings this uh, past while as the possibility of a compromise on uh, on the backstop, whether that be time-limiting 
the backs up, which I think is unlikely, are more likely if and when it, it, it comes a third-party arbitration or an independent arbitration that would enable the British to exit uh, the backstop at some point in uh, at some point in the future. I think that it is uh, perceived in government buildings that there may be uh, a political danger there. It's certainly anticipated that any compromise on the backstop would be seized upon uh, by Sinn Féin and perhaps by Fianna Fáil to uh, to a lesser extent. So, you know, this is we, this is a obviously a diplomatic environment and a, and and an arena of statecraft. But there are grubby political considerations uh, that are part of the mix as well. And to do that, you, you know, to to, to realise that, you just have to look back to the point at which uh, the backstop was first agreed in in um in December 2017 when uh Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney came back and proclaimed uh, a bulletproof backstop and so forth and um and there was quite a reaction uh, against that in uh, in in the UK and I think that's certainly part of the uh that's certainly part of the 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 UK piece uh, at the and moment. indeed there was criticism of it from Fianna Fáil as indeed, well yes yeah yeah Indeed there, indeed there was. Um, one other question that we asked, which I think is instructive on uh, to, in the field of, of, of what should be done uh, in, in the future, is we asked if there is a, a hard Brexit and checks are required on goods travelling between the UK and, uh, and, and the EU. And this may be something that that faces, maybe a choice that faces uh, the government over the coming weeks and months, uh, or years. So we asked, you know, should those checks be between Ireland and the EU, or Ireland and the UK, as in uh, on the border? Thirty-five percent of people said that they should be on the border. Thirty-three percent of people said they should be between Ireland and uh, and the rest of the EU. So again, I'm afraid. Uh, not much guidance for Mr. Varadkar there. Yeah. So he's going to have to look into his own heart to figure those out. So that's the difference between having having checks in Cherbourg or having checks at Dundalk, really, I suppose, is what we're talking about. Yeah, so if there is, if the British crash out, and then over a period of time, some checks on goods travelling between the UK and the EU will be required. That much seems to be... a that is a, a matter of, of not just WTO rules, but uh, but EU rules. And this is what the European Commission meant some weeks ago when it talked about the necessity to protect the single market. And that's a line that you will hear quietly in Irish government minister statements and also out of statements coming out of Brussels, that the, the, the need to protect the integrity of the single market. So, uh, you know, th- everybody pays lots of lip service to their determination not to have any form of physical infrastructure on a border in Ireland, but also there is a requirement not to, uh, to the requirement to protect the integrity of the EU single market. And that's what that question tries to get at, that if the need to protect the single market means maybe, checks maybe, on goods, where I'm, should those checks be? Maybe I'm being be? thick here, but if you don't have, if, you, if you, let's say you did implement whatever the 33% said and you had your checks between Ireland and uh, the European continent, um, well, then you would have goods flowing north and south across the border, which might have come from the UK proper and w- without checks. 
um, so that therefore um, that wouldn't work, would it? I, I, I don't see how that could work. It would effectively make Ireland part of a customs union with the United Kingdom. But if there is a hard border between the UK and the rest of the EU, then it has to go somewhere. Right. I can see why people might be confused about this. But anyway, um, what impact do you think these numbers will have on the various political parties who make the decisions that we're discussing here? I mean, you can't say for sure. But I think this is a pretty clear demonstration that the position adopted by the DUP is significantly at odds with the position adopted not just by the community in Northern Ireland at large, but the preferences of the community from which they draw all of their support. And uh, and I think, you know, politicians, even DUP politicians, always operate with one eye, at least one eye, on the views back home. And I'm not aware of uh, another piece of research that shows the views back home, not just of Northern Ireland as a whole, but of likely DUP supporters in particular. And um, I, I think in that regard, this poll is a very, very clear message to the DUP. Pat, thanks for joining us today. And that's it for this special edition of Inside Politics. Thanks again to Pat for joining us. Thanks also to our producer, Declan Conlon, and our engineer, JJ Vernon. Remember that you can find us on irishtimes.com slash podcasts. You can find us on iTunes. And if you feel like giving us a five-star review, please feel free to do so. You can mail me at hlinhan at irishtimes.com or you can usually find me on Twitter. But until the next time, thanks for listening.